Hello, and welcome to the first episode of Dexter's Lab. Today, I had a chance to talk with Brian Lim, the co-founder of The Flavor Continues, a nonprofit that serves street and club dance culture through education, events, and community building. We had a chance to talk about different creative approaches, finding your own creative identity, and all about The Flavor Continues. My name is Jake Hoddle, and this is Brian's Lab. Uh, so excited to see you here, Brian, and to kind of get into the work that you're doing, talk a little bit more about The Flavor Continues, and get your thoughts on creativity. So thank you for joining us. Good to be here, Jay. Thanks for having me. Anytime. So first, let's talk about you. Tell me about yourself. Kind of when did you first know that you were creative? Give me a little background on what you do. Like, what is your artistry? How would you describe it? Right. Um, I guess I was always creative. Um, before I even knew I was. Uh, I am a first-generation born American. My parents are from Cambodia. They are refugees of the Khmer Rouge, and they have uh, were able to come to the States in 83. Um, so growing up, it was a very traditionally strict Asian household. Um, and I guess that's where, you know, creativity kind of came into my life. They didn't have much, so we always tried to make something out of nothing. I found myself always kind of just doodling and drawing in my notebooks in school. Mm. Um, and I was drawing and sketching a lot mm. uh, up until maybe the age of um, 10 or 11 or so. And that's when I um, found breaking, which is my art form. I'm a, I break. I'm a b-boy. Some people know um, that art form more as break dancing. Mm. Um, and then from there, it was just, that was it. That was what I did. Continued doodling in the notebooks all throughout, you know, grade school and such. But, you know, once once uh, the dancing came, it just... It was over. Yeah, that was it. So you say that your family was strict. Were you, are you like the lone artist in your family? Is that that dynamic? Or are there other creative people in there as well? No, there's other people as well. When I started dancing, it was with my two older brothers. Oh, wow. So they actually started before me. It was just kind of that sibling rivalry of like, got it, got you know, it. what? Like, you can, man, if you can do that, I can definitely kill it too. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause I'm I'm the I'm the youngest out of the three that was, dancing. and I had an older sister that would draw a lot too. Um, my cousin was also really into the arts and such. He's actually my cousin's the one that kind of got my brothers and I into dance, not just dancing, just hip hop in general. Mm. You know, cause he saw us doodling. He was like, "Check this out. This is called writing," which you know we might know as graffiti art. Mm. Uh, like check check out this music like. Um, bring CDs over because you know in that time it was CDs. Good old CD days, yeah, yeah. And so, how do your parents feel about it? Are they in there too? Is it one of those things? I mean, at this point, does it really matter? <laughs> when it first started, yeah, it was. They were all against it, and they just thought it was like a, a phase that we would get into, and you know, I guess. And their perception and their reality, you know, they, they went through so much mm-hmm. and sacrificed so much to mm-hmm. relocate in the United States for a chance of a better life, you know, the pursuit of the great American dream, right? Mm-hmm. And here I am messing up the floor in the living room, 
trying to learn how to break right. and you know and, and it's very strict so you know it's the typical like become a doctor become a lawyer become an accountant sure. how is this going to help you like focus on your studies um but looking back full circle at it, it's like everything everything they wanted for me thinking that i would achieve by being a doctor by being a lawyer you know obviously like having ultimately really just be having that happiness and security right and that peace of mind that they thought the the financial wealth of being in those professions would bring mm -hmm. um, but instead seeing me obtain it by pursuing my art so mm -hmm. they didn't they definitely didn't understand it before mm. i'm pretty sure they still don't understand it now but they are accepting of it because they've seen that it's actually brought me what it is that they wanted me to have to begin with yeah so I guess this leads to my next question of, do you think you're born with creativity? Do you think it's something that is learned? Shoot, man, that's a good question. <laughs> um, man, I, I, I mean, I think everyone has a level of creativity to begin with. Mm. Um, just even if you look at babies and young children like they're always just so creative so mm -hmm. I, you know i think by default us as humans are are creative people mm -hmm. um but i think you know it's one of those things like if you don't practice it mm -hmm. I, I think just because you know we definitely know of people that were creative in their younger years that are no longer so creative for whatever reason maybe they didn't really nurture the creativity or society kind of told them to i don't know grow up and get a real job or you know there's there's nothing in this for you type of thing um so yeah uh, i i do think everyone's born with it and some people just lose it over time yeah so i know that the flavor continues which i'll have to talk about in a second part of your work is you guys you know work with young people and as an educator i work with young people too and sometimes you get the whole like i'm not creative i can't do this and they don't know how to like engage in that way what do you tell people who feel like they just aren't is how do you as you just said it's something you can lose is something that you can get back and how does that work right i i guess you kind of just you know first things first i'll ask them why mm. i'm not creative i'll just be like what do you mean mm. you know um how like where is it that you feel maybe you fall short or mm -hmm. something like that just so you can really understand where they're coming from because mm -hmm. It's like, you know, I think of it as like a physical street almost, right? Where let's say like wherever you're at and I'm over here and it's like, I need to meet you where you're at to, let's say, take you elsewhere. Okay. Um, so you really got to figure out where this person's at first mm -hmm. so you can actually get to them. Mm -hmm. And then once you get to them, then that begins the journey of kind of showing them whatever way it is that works for them and it, it, there is no one size fits all approach to it because everyone's geared a different way which is why you know maybe having such strict curriculums and such don't really work when we talk about creativity and arts and such um finding out how they're hardwired yeah. finding out things that gets them excited or they're engaged in so for example i've got a few different students right now and i have to navigate them in different ways mm -hmm. one student really loves you know wu-tang clan another student really loves the boston celtics another one really loves you know the avengers 
Mm. So when I talk to them about creativity, one student, I might be like, okay, well, if you were a member of Wu-Tang Clan, which one would you be? Because those members are so different. Mm. Uh, to the other person, I might say, well, if you were playing a position on a basketball team, what position would you play? You know, if you were a superhero in the Avengers, which one would you be? So that's the importance of kind of figuring them out a little bit mm -hmm. so you can better know how to, you know, uh, maximize um, that time you have with them to really start to pull out their creativity, you know, and they might, and, and you'll learn a lot from them by their answer. If they're like, well, I'm this person and being like, okay, well, that person does this on that team. So, you know, why is it you're, you know, why is it that you, you play offense and you're not a defensive player? Yeah. Why is it that you're not, you know, why is it that you're this character? Mm. That you're not like a lead character in the Avengers mm -hmm. uh, instead of this. And you, you, you start to learn about them and their approach. And from there, you mm. can better tailor an experience for them to actually um, be comfortable enough to create. Because we know when we create, like, I think creativity is almost romanticized in a way where it's like, it's, oh, it's great. It's creativity. It's like, you know how much trash you create when you, you're trying to create gold for gold? Like, mm -hmm. but to, to, to let them, to, to, to make it okay being like, we're in the creation process. We, we, we might not create gold today. We mm -hmm. might only create trash, but you know, you have this toolbox now where you understand how to start mining for gold. Mm -hmm. Um, and then you don't even need me around, really. Mm. You can mine on your own. I'm just, just going to get a bunch of rocks. In right. <laughs> but I think, even for me, I think that's, that's a really nice metaphor about the process is about the mining. It's not about, you know, what you get necessarily. You know what I mean? And if you're in a cave, you might have to mine through the cave to get to that destination. And, and if... Yeah. I think you're right that a lot of people think that it's always just like creativity equals this amazing thing. And it's like, no, it's just the process of getting to that amazing thing. Yeah, because you, you're you never done either. Mm -hmm. you know? Like if you mine and then you you, you you really hit gold, you're not like, oh, I'm done. Right. Well, I, I just hit gold. Let's keep going. Right. Um, so and then at the end, as an artist, you know, I, I know a lot of art, artists out there will relate to it where it's like, always trying to fine tune and tweak their project or whatever. It's not ready yet because this uh -huh. is like the creativity is never done. Mm. So, I mean, it's... Which side question now, it, it comes to, cause I struggle with that myself every once in a while. Like when does the work leave you and then go to its next phase and who owns it in that process? And like, how do you know when it's time to like, let it live past you um i think kind of like knowing that well understanding one that there's no such thing as perfect right so it's not like i'm gonna wait for this project to be perfect to mm -hmm. thing it's like you know have i done everything i could to mm -hmm. make this project um suit whatever idea of it I initially had about it to serve whatever mission it was at this project is was was meant to serve mm. um, and if it's good to go then like okay like did, did I do everything I could with this mm. yes 
And that's different from, is this perfect? Mm-hmm. And then from there, it like even, even just maybe finishing a project and letting it sit for a little bit, yeah. letting it marinate yeah. and then coming back to it and revisiting it with fresh eyes and being like, all right, cool. This is still something I'm proud of. Mm. Still not perfect, mm. but all right, cool. Now, now we can let it go. Now we can share it and put it out there for the world. Right. Knowing that, yeah, it's, it's not perfect. There's always something yeah. more to be done. But at the same time, we know that hindsight is twenty twenty. So it's like, you know, there's going to be more projects to come. You did everything you could with this one. Put it out there so you can get that hindsight quicker. Yeah. <laughs> and then let right. you learn for the next one. Mm-hmm. So, okay, I promised that we talk a little bit about Flavor Continues. And so can you tell me about you guys, how you came to be, the work you guys do? Yeah, the flavor continues is um, actually uh, started with me. Um, you know, I are you the flavor that's continuing? Yeah, got it. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I'm the the first spice in the mix. <laughs> um, but I found myself um, in the breaking world mm-hmm. here in Massachusetts, like being. Well, first, even before I found myself in these certain positions, just being a member of that community. Now, I've I've been in that community now for about 20 years, um, but I've only been really doing behind the scenes work for about five. Um, and that behind the scenes work is really what led up to the flavor continues, because even though I've been doing that for five years, the flavor continues is like a year and a half old. Um, and I just really wasn't too happy or proud with the way things were going here with the um, community in terms of how things were being run and organized and there were just so many times I felt myself thinking like this could be way better why is it done like this mm-hmm. and it was like just complaining to myself and my, my my own group of friends and but I've never been really the type of person to just sit back and complain mm-hmm. it's not in my nature um, and kind of be like okay well let me then you know I was never really much of a talker either. You know, I think I became more of a talker in the last five years, just kind of being in these types of positions where um, kind of being like, well, hmm, how do I put this? Long story short, I guess. (laughs) I found myself in these positions where I was asked to help organize events um, because people would see the way that you do break. Mm. And you can see like, okay, like, you know, even if you don't quite understand breaking, you can tell that person knows what they're doing. Right. You know, um, you, you, you that that proficiency just translates it, it's universal. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, sharing that, you know, being like, okay, well, if it's if it's groups of people like this that are putting on these events and they're not quite putting their best foot forward to showcase our community in the best light, which as a street dancer we already naturally don't get shown in the best light. So I'm not going to go over there and be like, hey, let me teach you and this and that. That that, that feels a bit strange to me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I know they have an open practice. Mm-hmm. So let me go over there and let me just use that spot to practice. For all I know, this is, you know, their first time having that exposure mm-hmm. to this outside of an event space. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of from doing things like that that, you know, they've been like, hey, what do you think about this idea for an event? You know, can you help us get, I don't know, staff the event? Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I ended up becoming um, a master of ceremony for one, which was funny because I was supposed to find a master of ceremony. <laughs> Therefore, I just, all right, those are the consequences that you have to pay because I'm responsible to get one. I didn't okay. get one. So, okay, well, I guess then that means I'm going to have to do it. Yeah. So I did it. And um, that was probably the first time I really learned the power of my voice, mm. my actual voice. Yeah. Up until that point, it was just, you know, this is, this is what I want to get off my chest without words. Cause mm. I'm just, um, and then after that, it was wildfire. Yeah. All these events are coming in now. Like, okay, we want you to host ours too. Mm -hmm. And then finding myself in that type of position where you're kind of staffing for them, mm -hmm. consulting for them. You're the MC of the event as well. Um, but it all started from you just being this person in the community. Wow. That kind of just really stood on your integrity. Mm -hmm. um, you know, went to go do something about whatever it was that you weren't liking in mm. your own community. Um, and after seeing, um, you know, a lot of it was collegiate events. We have a lot since a college town. Um, mm -hmm. And I found that, you know, the, the reason why the collegiate events were very um, lacking here was that, you know, you might have somebody that's only been dancing for one or two years, but they're on the student board. So now they're trying to do an event for something that they really don't know too much about. Right. Um, so it, it was that collaboration of like, well, we're really grassroots over here. We have a whole different community here that's outside of that collegiate bubble. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, you know, y'all on that side have these resources available to you. Mm -hmm. So it's like, we can make your thing better. and You can actually help us. We, we're both going to win. And then seeing that type of traction over, you know, that three, four year period mm. and being like, okay, that's dope. Um, but even after the first year, I think the first year I, I was really doing all of that was in 2016. Mm -hmm. And that was also the first year I did my own grassroots event because oh. it all, I think there was like three or four collegiate events that I really put on that year or helped with, I'm sorry. Um, and it was like, it's cool, but it's always to their mission. Like we need a grassroots event where this is our mission. This is how we see things. This is how we, you know what I mean? Because now it's like, my name was always affiliated with that. Mm -hmm. And which was okay, but I was like, you know, yeah, like I, when you see that you've been able to contribute yeah. and have such an impact on something and mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, but that's, that's with this. Oh yeah, but that's with this. And it was like, you know, let me do something where it's like, no, this is all me now. Yeah. And um, in my opinion, the one that we did grassroots blew everything else off the water. Mm. And then it was just another two or three years of that. Mm. The collegiate stuff, the own, my own grassroots stuff. Mm -hmm. um, and then realizing like, this is not sustainable, man. Mm. The grassroots stuff, I'm coming out of pocket for it. Right. I'm eating rice and hot dogs. I'm eating sometimes oatmeal three times a day yeah. because, but you know, it's like, that was the type of, you know, that's the type of sacrifice that you kind of got to make a lot of other sacrifices in a lot of other places in your life too. But mm -hmm. that's just the first one that comes to mind. Mm -hmm. So then it was like, okay, well, that's where the idea of the nonprofit came from now. And that, that, that might not be until year three or four. Mm -hmm. Um, 
now we're now it's kind of year five of the mission for me, but the nonprofit's a year and a half old. Um, and the flavor continues was always something I would say after those events. You know, maybe I'm hosting an event. Mm -hmm. You know, thanks for coming, everybody. You know, until the next one, the flavor continues. Mm -hmm. um, but then to me, it was always like I was always so busy. I might be hosting. Two weeks from now, I might be judging somewhere. You know, maybe a few weeks after that, I'm going somewhere to compete. Mm. So there was always something going on but that's that's the that's what the continuation was mm. and in dancing we always talk at least in breaking we always talk about flavor mm. you know so it's just like like when you dance it's like okay like that's your style that's your flavor mm. so to me it was like well if i'm helping to or organize or consult for this event they're kind of asking for like you know how to style it out you know, even if you're teaching, I'm not teaching somebody my style. I'm teaching them how to find their own style. Mm. Um, so that's where that word kind of comes from. Um, so, and uh, kind of being in that headspace over those years, I'm a big Nipsey Hussle fan. Mm. Even before he kind of blew up yeah. I mean, from his mixtape days mm -hmm. and kind of always just being inspired by that story of, you know, growing up in a not so resourceful community, mm -hmm. however you want to put it. Mm -hmm. Some people call it the hood or whatever. Um, and really just making something beautiful happen. Because my own grassroots project I dedicated to my hometown is called Entering Shaolin. Mm. In Massachusetts. So Shaolin is spelled S-H-A-O-L-Y-N-N. Mm. And it's, you know, it's a tribute not only to my hometown, it's a tribute also to you know, hip hop's early love affair with kung fu movies. Tribute mm. to my parents are born and raised in Cambodia, but my ancestry is Chinese. Mm. My last name is Lim. So the way you write Lim in the Chinese calligraphy is actually the same character you'll see when you write Shaolin in its calligraphy. Wow. So it's like when things come full circle in that way, oh. it's just kind of like this is too perfect. Yeah, that's the universe. So the flavor continues is also a spinoff of the marathon continues. Mm. How Nipsey did for his me doing that for my own as well. It's uh, the mic drop right there. <laughs> well, I mean, it does lead me to the next question though. So this, a lot of the work came from your experiences and your journey. And so to kind of bring it back to this creativity place, how is it, do you feel to, how does collaboration affect the creative process? And so obviously as you build this, you had to bring some more people in and I'm wondering how does that all work? I know it's not perfect, but what are some of the highs and lows of how they get shifted once you bring more people into the creative process? Um, first things first, just, you know, I think it's important to really learn your creative process mm -hmm. prior to even collaborating. Mm -hmm. you know, I think a lot of people collaborate very early mm -hmm. in their artistic journey, um, which it gets to be a tricky thing to navigate mm -hmm. because there's the one side of people being like, you know, oh, that's not the way to go type of thing. But then there's the other side of like, no, you say that because you can't make it happen. Mm -hmm. You know, because uh, different people are able to pull off different things. Mm -hmm. um, but I think it's important to understand your own creative process, mm -hmm. um, to be open to your own ignorance. Mm. 
know where your where your strengths and weaknesses are because mm. that's how you start to build your team. Mm. You know what I mean? I have to be open to my ignorance. Okay, mm. who's not ignorant in that? Mm. That also has the same type of um, who values the same thing or maybe approaches it in the same way. Mm. Um, okay, cool. How much does this type of mission like relate to them? Kind of pulling things together from there. Um, once it comes on to collaboration, um, it's, there's always a learning curve, you know, cause like you might know, all right, well, this person, um, got the same set of values and we all want the same thing, but then there's so many different ways to go about achieving it. Yeah. So you have to find the balance of not being a control freak, which is different when you were just a one person operation where you're kind of in control of everything, but being like, well, no, there's a reason I, there's a reason we're going for a team, you know, yeah. and to remind yourself of that and be like, there's a reason this person is the person I went to. There's a person, there's a reason mm -hmm. for all that. So whatever you went to them for, let them do that, you know? Yeah. And not just even giving it freedom. I, I almost see it as like, I don't have kids myself, but Mm -hmm. Like, I think about it in terms of like nephews, you know what I mean? Where you kind of just got to let them do their thing and just like roll with it. You know what I mean? You can't choose who your nephew's going to be or how they're going to be. You could maybe, you definitely check them when they're wrong, you know? What I mean? Right. But it's like, I don't know. It, maybe this is a problem we have in the dance community that I see a lot. So I, I try not to carry it forward of like, people being like, well, that's not what it was like when, when, when I started mm. and being like, well, okay, that's the point. Right. You know, that's, that's the, we can celebrate the roots and the traditions of it while not stopping its evolution. Mm. Almost the same way as like, if I was to look at my nephew right now, who's eight and to be like, Yo, stop growing. Be the same person you were before. Right. I know for me, because I came in the scene young, you know, to be like somebody that might look at me and be like, no, be that same person you were when you were 12, 13, 14, 15. And I'm like, that's not me no more. Yeah. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm growing. Um, I'm going to stick to these values and these principles I live my life by, you know, the cultural codes that we operate on. Mm -hmm. um, but there's all this room in between, you know, and, and I don't know, it's, it's such a tricky thing to try to explain. Yeah. You know, I don't think I've, I don't think I've gotten to the point where I can quite articulate it yet. It's like, I'm still feeling that part of it out. Mm. All right. We'll come back in a, what, like a couple months and I'll ask you this again. Yeah, sure. <laughs> more clarity there. And I'll be like, nah, same. <laughs> um, okay, so just a couple more questions. Um, how do you feel that, how does the creative bleed into the non-creative in your life? Like, does it show up in any other aspects of your life that isn't dance? And then if so, how so? Man, the creative always bleeds in. Mm -hmm. I, I don't, there, there's not like a creativity mode. Mm. Yes, you know, Marshawn Lynch got a saying, right? 
is it Marshawn Lynch? Maybe I'm just thinking of him because it involves the word beast mode. Okay. But I think, um, no, it's uh, Tim Grover, who's like an elite athlete trainer. Um, he got a saying, he says, there's no such thing as beast mode. Either you're a beast or you're not. Mm. So to me, I see creativity in that way. Mm. It might be in terms of the way you choose to even reorganize your room. Mm. Maybe it's the way you choose to lace up your sneakers. Mm. Maybe it's, you know, if you're making food and the, the, the combination of things that you throw on it or, you know, I, I don't know. It, it bleeds into everything. It, maybe it becomes how you use certain tools in your household or something. Um, I don't know. But maybe that comes from the resourcefulness and not having too much when you were growing up, too. Literally, it, it affects how you see the world. Yeah, everything is a possible tool. I think that makes a lot of sense, yeah. Okay. Two questions left. If you could interview someone that you consider to be creative, past or present, who would that person be and why? Oh, man. Past or present? Just one? I mean... If you want to do the whole table, we got time. Man, there's a lot. Like, I mentioned Nipsey Hussle earlier. Mm -hmm. I, I would love to interview him in terms of not just the creativity process, but even just the, the, the business mind and, you know, kind of growing up in those types of areas. Um, you know, that really hits. I would love to interview. I want to get the name wrong. I think the name is Tinker Hatfield, hmm. the designer of the Air Max sneaker. Hmm. And I think the original Air Max was the inspiration from came from like the Eiffel Tower, I believe. Oh, wow. So being like, how'd you go from Eiffel Tower to Air Max? <laughs> right. Something like the Air Max sneaker that has, that's timeless. You know, it has a lot of different iterations. Mm -hmm. um, but I mean, you, you, you see people to this day rocking air maxes and there's all these different forms of it and you know that that kind of goes with the evolution of it and you know i guess to the question you said before of like no if it's not an air max one it's not an air max like no there's a lot of different air maxes um taker half will be another one um other creatives like jimmy hendrix mm. um that's almost even a creativity I can't even like fully understand. <laughs> but it's like, that's the reason I want to, to kind of have that interview with them. Mm -hmm. uh, that's the thing too. Uh, it's like, I would like to really interview people whose creativity maybe doesn't quite move me or hit me. I know a lot mm -hmm. of people would like to interview people whose creativity, they're like, oh my God, this person moves me so much. I want to interview them. It's like, yeah, but I, I'd really be interested in looking at people's creativity. That's like, I don't quite understand it. It doesn't quite hit me. Let me, I'd like to interview this person so I could get a different perspective of it. And maybe after that, like, oh, okay. Now I'm seeing it more. Now I'm understanding it more That's because so I'm, you know, being open to your blind spots. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's, maybe that's just what makes me a weirdo. 
I think that's fascinating. I think, yeah, it's it's not always, it's, I think about it as negative space, right? Like that's the, the negative space that we don't really look at as we keep looking to the light to be like, oh, shine, but yeah. there's a lot to see on that in between. I think that's fascinating. I mean, for example, like I, I mentioned Jimi Hendrix, like I'm not, I don't bump Jimi Hendrix, hmm. but understand it. Like I, I learned a bit about his artistic approach, hmm. kind of like just how he was type of person to like, start a concert and then destroy his guitar like three songs in and kind of being like that's interesting <laughs> I, I wanna, you know, and, and you know there's madness to it and all there's a lot of layers to that but mm -hmm. even if you look at you know his his album art and, mm. and kind of i don't know a, a, a lot of questions i was like you know that creativity is not something that really hits with me sure so it's like, I want to interview Jimmy Hendrix. Yeah. Versus Nipsey Hussle, like, man, all of that hits, hits with me. You know, and I want to interview that as well. Yeah. Again, fascinating. I'm going to sit with that one. You guys, you flavor continues, guys. You guys have been, like, dropping some gems. Like, I have to go out and, like, sit in darkness for a little bit after I talk with you guys. You got a real interesting team that you've gathered there. Um. So last project, can you just, just describe your lab project? So what are you doing for the Boston Foundation? How does it work? Um, yeah, what should folks know about it? Yeah, so the, the lab project we have with the Boston Foundation um, is a project that we've called All of the Above. Hmm. So it's, it's a freestyle dance competition. I know earlier I talked a lot about breaking, um, but our nonprofit serves street and club dance, hmm. of which breaking is just one. Hmm. Um, and basically we it's not my idea it's an idea that i experienced in washington state mm. at another event i was at because I, I spent quite a bit of time traveling around the country competing and such mm. um and the original idea is called the backyard format so most of the time when we have open freestyle dance competitions it's it's like individuals, right? Mm -hmm. This person of this style versus this person of this dance style. Mm -hmm. And although it's dope that we can all be united on the same platform, we're still going against each other. Sure. Right? But, you know, competition can be healthy. But it's, it was always that one-on-one that -on -one type of thing, this particular style versus this one. Um, and, again, one of those things where I was like, I feel like this could be done better. Um, so when I experienced this particular backyard format in mm -hmm. Washington state, I was like, this is gold. And that was back in like, I think 2016. Mm. So about the backyard format, it started by a man named Jaira and I got permission to use it, of course, prior to applying for the grant. And the way it works is that there's 18 captains and those 18 captains will represent, you know, just, it can represent whoever you want, but the way that we're doing it, it's going to represent different street and club dance styles. Mm. Um, and then usually when they sign up for a competition, you know, this is going to be a group battle, but you don't know what group you're in. You still sign up as an individual. Now, let's say you have 80 signups. So we'll have those 80 participants do their showcases and then after that, it's almost like gym class style wow. where the 18 captains are now up there and they're just drafted. This person, they're on my team. All right, cool. Next person. All right. 
we're taking this person. Mm. The way the drafting goes with the eight different team captains, um, you know, it's, it, it naturally balances each other out. Mm. Um, whereas, like, you might have some really highly seasoned competitors. Mm. They might be, like, your first-round draft picks. Mm. Um, but at the same time, like, let's say, you know, I break, but if I'm a team captain, my first-round draft pick could be someone of a completely different style. And it probably will be somebody of a completely different style. Um, but at the same time, we will only allow signups in groups of eight and mm. factors of eight, I'm sorry, mm. so that the teams can be evened out. So if there's 80 signups, then it's going to, you're going to draft 10 people on your team. So with you, it's going to be 11. Now, all these, when you do it that way, the teams end up being very balanced in terms of people that are seasoned competitors, mm. people that are new, you know, if I'm a team captain, I might be like, well, my cousin's here and I just want to battle with my cousin. Mm. They're not really that good, mm -hmm. but I battle with my cousin mm. so they're going to be my first round draft pick mm. it's it it bridges generation gaps mm. it bridges skill gap mm. it bridges gaps between different dance forms mm. um you know when i experienced it in washington state you know i got drafted on a team of only breakers that team captain was like i'm only drafting breakers mm. it was another team where that captain was like, I'm only drafting women. Mm. And then there's all the other teams that are completely mixed and integrated. Mm. It was it was so beautiful to see. So I'm very thankful that Jara has allowed me to, you know, bring that concept here. I'm even more thankful for Live Arts Boston to help it make it come to life. Yeah. Um, and yeah, that's... So follow-up question, because this sounds so interesting to me. So once they get into the teams, are they battling, like, each other in the team? Is it against each other team? How does that piece work? So now now you have these eight teams. Mm -hmm. uh, and then we just do the typical bracket style. Got it. Where it's elimination. But now when it's team versus team, you know, it's like a f these integrated team so let's right. say i'm somebody that's only been dancing for a year mm. right? a lot of the times when we do these competitions you might have like let's say 100 people sign up and just for time you might only pick 16 people so now you know that does become a bit elitist in a way sure. not to say that those 16 didn't earn it but just for the sake of time and organizing it's mm -hmm. just you, you really only have time to shine light on the cream of the crop in this way if I'm a person that doesn't normally make it through that, mm. I know I'm still going to have a chance to go out and compete. Mm. Now, here I am standing on the line with, you know, all these other people from the community. Yeah. I'm, now I'm on the same team with a, a dance style that maybe I don't know too much about. Mm. Now, now we're a team and you, you can play a different way because now we're talking about battling. There's all these strategies and ways to go about it. I'm For all I know, right across from me might be someone of who's the biggest inspiration to me. Maybe mm -hmm. they're such a seasoned competitor and my team might decide to utilize me to go after that person right. in whatever way it is we want to play mm. you know, the battlefield. Um, the options are infinite. Wow. You know? Or for all I know, maybe, maybe you're that person that's a bit newer and, you know, they send you out against somebody who's also a bit newer to mm -hmm. kind of back it up. Mm -hmm. But then this season competitor comes to answer your round, mm. you know, and it's just, 
the it, it opens up so much opportunity of new experiences for everybody wow. across the board. Or let's say I go out and I do my thing, and mm-hmm. then somebody of a completely different dance style is like, "Oh, I got that round." Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It's just it, it's such beautiful exchange, right? Yeah. That that only happens in those group dynamics. Yeah. But a lot of times when we have those group dynamics, it becomes very um, not so integrated. Yeah. But this is a way that mandates that integration and kind of celebrates it. That's exciting. Yeah. Yeah. So when is this happening? Where can people learn more? Where can they follow you? Um, in terms of when it's happening, we are kind of mm-hmm. altering and adapting to yeah. it. Um, so with that one, you'll have to stay in touch, but you can stay in touch with us on Facebook and Inst- Facebook and Instagram at the flavor continues. Um, our website, www. That was two W's www.theflavorcontinues.org. Um, yeah. And, you know, absolutely. We'll, whenever we decide to kind of make this happen, people will know. Uh, we're we're going to make sure it happens right. Awesome. This is exciting. Thank you so much for chatting with me. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Dexter's Lab is made possible by a partnership between the Boston Foundation and Junamis. To learn more about the Boston Foundation, visit www.tbf.org, follow on Instagram and Twitter at BostonFDN, and on Facebook at the Boston Foundation. You can follow Dunamis on all platforms at Dunamis Boston. That's D-U-N-A-M-I-S Boston. Or visit us at dunamisboston.org. Until next time, and thanks for listening. Stay creative.